Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Oh, good. You all took your seats. And I didn't even have to say anything. Hey, it's my privilege this morning to actually lead a panel that we're having uh, with some under 30s. So if that's you, can you come and not like leave me abandoned up here on stage? Come on. They're excited. They really are. Come on. Why don't we welcome them as they come? You know, we've spent the last six Sundays going through and looking at our series on a new house. And this morning we've asked these three under 30s to actually share some perspectives with us. Now, part of the reason we wanted to do that is because their life experience is different than those of us that are over 30. And there's a few of us here today that are over 30. They have grown up in an era where they've seen technology technology advance. So they don't really know a world without an iPad or an iPhone. They don't know things without having, you know, fast internet. Us that are a little over 30 will remember the times when we had dial-up internet and it was slow and it made noise and it was frustrating because you'd get booted off. Come on, who else is with me this morning? Thank you. Uh, But these guys are going to bring a different perspective. So as we chat to them this morning, their perspective may be different than yours. And if it is, can I encourage you actually to lean in with curiosity? You know, if they say something that you're like, oh, I've never thought of it that way, lean in with some curiosity and actually, um, you know, see from their perspective what it is that they're trying to share. I want you to capture their hearts this morning. You know, they've grown up hearing catchphrases that some of us have caught on to along the way, but this has been their news. Climate change, terrorism, come on, the Twin Towers that went down in 2001, financial instability, social media was incepted in 2004, cryptocurrency in 2009, and and now it's all the rage. Uh, And the change of the geopolitical Um, seen all front of mind in how this generation, these under 30s, have grown up. They're news for them. It's been something that they have known and heard about a lot of. You know, one of the things I love about Resound is we are a multi-generational church and each generation can glean and lean on the wisdom and the perspective that each generation has. There's not one generation that's better than another. Each of us is learning and growing together and that's what I love about Resound. So I'm going to ask them some questions. I'm not going to grill them too much, um, but we want to hear their heart and actually what God is saying in and through them. All right, guys. So we've got Pip, Nath, Jemima. Each one of these guys actually serves in our church. So if you don't know them, I want you to know what it is that they actually do here. So starting with you, Pip. Look, I hope you all know what I do, but... (laughs) (laughs) What doesn't he do? (laughs) No, I I do a lot of the sort of behind-the-scenes production, video, uh, sort of oversee those departments. So if it's technical and it happens on a Sunday, I'm kind of involved in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apart from that, I'm also 
this afternoon, come along, <laughs> starting up a study group called Artos, uh, and we're looking at the Bible. So that's another thing that I do, and lead small group among others. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm on the creative team. You've probably seen me up here um, from time to time. So I play the bass guitar and do the bit of music directing um, and also co-run a young adults uh, fortnightly study group with my wife. Cool. Well, I have no technical skill abilities at all, nor do I have any creative skills. <laughs> <laughs> but I serve in kids and I'm also helping with the Marooned campus, setting that up at the moment, which is very exciting. It's awesome. So these guys serve week in, week out and are part of the vital volunteer group that we have. But just on that, so volunteerism is decreasing, not only in the church, but also in the world around us. Why do you think that might be? Nathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, so I think uh, when I was pondering this question, I think I kind of boiled it down to two answers. And I think uh, over the past two years, it has really brought Um, with everything going on, it's all been about personal survival. So I think that everyone's kind of re-centred themselves and gone, oh, how's that going to affect me? What's it going to affect me? And kind of taken their scope away from, from, you know, oh, well, hold on, what about me? But what about others who are going through this and looking outward? Um, I think that's kind of been a bit of an unfortunate side effect um, of the pandemic. Um, And second of all, I think what ties into that is you know, this whole kind of um, kind of negative perception of, you know, oh, there's this big pandemic, you know, I might have limited time, let's use that for me, let's not use that to benefit other people, um, you know, this kind of limitation and, and restriction, um, unfortunately, that's happened over the past couple of years, so I think that's kind of why it's decreased. Mm. Jemima, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, this was an interesting question, I think, because... It wasn't something that I had thought of particularly, but when I was pondering about it and thinking about this, I think, again, two sort of similar reasons. I think the first one is that we're all so busy. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I find I get to Friday evenings, and I'm like, where has my week gone? <laughs> like, what was I doing all week? But we are so busy. And I think that's partially because we don't see the value in community as much as maybe we used to. Um, And I think that could also be from, quite frankly, we're a relatively selfish society. And I don't mean that as you guys, I mean that as us and outside of church as well. We don't see the value in working together and doing community together as much. So why would I help somebody else when I don't get the recognition or when I could be spending that time on myself? Or, you know, when I don't have a lot of spare time to be giving other people, I want to be spending it on myself and in my family and in my own group of people. Mm. So I think, quite frankly, (laughs) that's sort of where I see it coming from. Yeah. Would you agree, Pip? Yeah, absolutely. I agree exactly with what these guys have said. Uh, To add to it, like, it's almost as though so much of our focus is upon ourself. Uh, So much of it is, you know, what what are my goals? Where am I going? What what is my, you know, career? Where does my life go? How is this helping me? Uh, and we, you know, that's all well and good. Even within the church, we go, well, you know, what's God's calling on my life? Yeah. Uh, and we often sort of forget the overall call of God. I've been reading Philippians a lot, and he speaks about living in uh, reflection of Christ, living as Christ, right? And it's, you know, how did Christ live? On the cross, he goes, you know, well, not even on the cross, before the cross, when he's sitting there trying to work out what he does, he goes, not my will, but yours be done. And like that, 
I think that is the godly way of living, right? That is the Christ-represented way. Uh, and that's not how we often approach it. And it's like, if you're going, this is about me, you're never going to think of someone else, which mm. ends up where we're talking about. Yeah. Mm. Interesting thoughts. Thanks for sharing, guys. What do you think the world's three biggest challenges are as you see them? And I know some of you answered just three. There's lots of challenges, we know, but what do you, what do you think they might be? Jemima. This is a massive question. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, Sarah, how do you want me to answer that? <laughs> if we knew the problems, we'd have solved them and we'd be living in a much better world, would we not? <laughs> but I think when I was thinking about this question, I tried to take time to think about it thoroughly because it is such a massive question. So I think the first answer, the, the biggest problem that is a universal problem across our world is that there's a genuine lack of love. I think we spend so much time trying to figure out what love is and what love looks like and how we can love others. But I really think as a world, we're yet to grasp it. And I think that's largely because we don't see it as Christ-like love. You know, the world and the perception of the church has, it's been hard. And I think the, the world has gone, we don't want what the church has. We don't want what they have to offer. So let's go the far opposite. And that's gone so far away from Christ-like love so what is it? What is love? How does it look? How do we love each other? So I think that's probably one of the biggest issues that I see is that imagine if everybody understood what genuine, unconditional, Christ-like love was. Imagine how different our world would look. So I think for me that was sort of the biggest problem that I see in our world. And then aside from that, I think it's so hard to compare our world and our lives here to what I would say is a different world somewhere else. Like, you know, when we were looking at photos and we've been seeing videos of the Ukraine um, and of countries riddled in poverty and war, how do we compare our world here to theirs? Like, I just think that's a totally different world that they're living in. So in situations and communities like that, I see a massive problem in a lack of equality and equity. And it's not the equality and equity that we fight for here. It's equality in that everybody has a right to life. Everybody has, should be entitled to an opportunity to reach their full potential, which we are essentially given just by being born in somewhere like Australia. So I think, how can we compare you know, our world here to somewhere else. So I think that's such a massive issue for some places in the world, but it's so different to the equality that we talk about here. And then I think the other major issue for Western countries and our communities and our world here is that we do have a lack of community. And it's like what we talked about, you know, we can get so caught up in ourselves, whether that be in church or in our lives or in work, whatever it is, that we forget the importance of community. And I think when I look at generations that have gone before us, community was such an important part of life. You know, you knew your neighbours. You didn't have social media, so you had to pick up the phone and talk to them or you had to go to their house and talk to them. Now it's like, oh, well, I saw them so post on Instagram, so I know they're alive and doing well. <laughs> but we all know social media is just a highlight reel. It's not showing what life is actually like. So we just have this lack of community and lack of doing life together genuinely, transparently and authentically. And I think that is a bigger issue than probably what we see it as. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I told you it was a big question. That was a big question. What about you, Pip? 
Yeah, look, I, as Jemima talked about, you know, the difference between what we know and what the rest of the world knows, it's very different. And I, I haven't experienced that. I can't speak into that. Uh, and I guess I kind of I came from it from a more of a, a soul-searching perspective um, and less of a practical. You know, there's so many material problems that you could spend days talking about and days trying to solve and you still wouldn't get anywhere. But in my opinion, the, the three kind of biggest things in our Western society that let us down are, uh, it's a lack of, um, I've just completely mentally blanked on my word, give me one second, a lack of, lack of hope. Yeah. There's a lack of hope, there's a lack of community as well, as we've all talked about, but, and there's almost a fear of discomfort, and it's like, how can you grow if you're not being pushed? How can you go further if you're not being pushed? Uh, and, yeah, I think hope is just such a big one where people just don't have hope. And it's like you, you live in the West, you have this potential that is almost limitless. Why are you hopeless? And I think the answer to that is we lack faith and we lack relationship with God. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad I didn't have to go to after Jemima, but that was a pretty good answer, Pip. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if that's more nice to me or offensive to Pip. <laughs> um, you guys can deal with it about that later. That's why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when I was pondering this question, I was one of the people that said, like, only three. And you can clearly see that, like, yeah, out of the two um, answers already, there, there, and you guys could probably think of multiple more that would be more prevalent in your life over um, ours particularly. Um, but in the same light, I got uh, three kind of similar answers. Um, my first one was selfishness, and I think we've kind of talked and, and dealt about that again. But I think that's a really big challenge that I see personally in my life. Like, we see people in our community struggling, and I feel there's this genuine disconnect where we go, oh, we'll pray about it, and that's enough. Do you know what I mean? I just really feel like sometimes we're giving out the minimal effort when, you know, all that might take is a meal to the neighbour that you've seen struggle that you know is struggling in personally circumstance and that might be enough you know what you don't actually have to meet them all the way because if you obey and do what God's called you to do God's actually able to move on your behalf in ways that you can't um so that was the first one and then obviously um the image of the church specifically now and specifically through this whole turmoil of the pandemic situation and even recently with you know some Hillsong controversy and all that kind of jazz um the image of the church I wouldn't say is under attack because I don't think it's external I actually think the problem is internal and I think that's how we, it comes down to how we're displaying the image of the church and how we're acting as Christ throughout the week. Um, so that was a big personal kind of challenge I saw. And then also on from that in, is faith in God's work. Um, we spoke about it this morning, you're the same God that you've always been, um, but I don't think we live that. And I don't think we really believe that, unfortunately. I know that might come across as harsh, but I think that's something we need to kind of get a reality check on and go you know what, God's delivered, God's blessed and he's made promises that are still to come. Why aren't we living in that hope, as like Pip said, and faith that he's able to do that? Um, So yeah, that'd be the three challenges (laughs) that I saw. And they were challenges, weren't they? (laughs) Hey, so where do you think the church fits? How do you think the church needs to change? What will the church of the future look like? Pip? All right. Um, Look... Uh, 
I'm actually going to refer to my notes to this because I quite like what I wrote down and it was really on my heart. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I, I wrote basically, I'm, and I'm just going to read it because I genuinely believe what I wrote. Um, I, I wrote, the church holds a literal key to heaven and it has a responsibility to give that key to the world. Wow. Uh, this has to be the central thing of the church, the core thing that the church defines what we do. Um, in terms of change, I think church has to come out of the box of church. Um, you know, it has to come out of the box of church, the building, church, the institution, church, the uh, Sunday morning. You know, we're putting God in a box and we like to put things in boxes and we do it all the time and it's terrible. Yeah. God can't be contained by a box and it's very clear in scripture that God works in different ways. Mm. That's it. We can't predict it. Uh, it. I think capital C church, the church of God is... God's people. It's a community of people living church every day, worshipping God and what they do and how they love those around them. To use scriptural terms, meditating on scripture, sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron, yeah, gathering yeah. together in God's name, but not just on a Sunday. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think the Western church has to stop being Sunday Christians. Um, my ideal f- church of the future is uh, a city without a temple. It's a city that is so on fire for God that a temple would restrict how much you can worship God. Uh, like a community of people in the world is what I see the church as being. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, that was awesome, Pip. Um, I think the, the role of the church, as obviously we're a multi-generational church and people could attest to how the church has grown and changed, you know, even from the music to how we structure Sundays and stuff like that. But I really think that the church will always continue to change because... Uh, the way society and humanity interacts and grows is always changing. So it would almost be irresponsible of the church not to change when the church's main mission is to reach out. Um, But in terms of how we act and stuff like that shouldn't change. Our principles shouldn't change and they shouldn't be compromised and our mission shouldn't change either Um, because I think they're things that we can't really... um, yeah afford to change in ourselves but and I believed it was touched on last week in the panel but um church is all of us like Pip said it's all of us in our everyday lives never in scripture does it say church is when you come and you spend time with God on a Sunday morning from 10 to 11 and then you can switch off and I know that said a million times but I still think we're not grasping it (laughs) Uh, I think there are a few of us that are but I think that especially as I spoke about before in the image of the church that's not being grasped. Um, that, that's not being seen at all. So, yeah, I think it's more the collective and it's more how we are, really, from Sunday 11 a.m. till the next Sunday at 10 a.m. is where it, um, it really is important. Great. Jemima? Yeah, I mean, to echo both of the guys, like, I think the church is us as individuals. The church is not us on a Sunday. It's us in our workplaces. It's us at school, it's us at uni, it's you interacting with the other parents at playgroup, it's you interacting with your co-workers and your school friends, it's not us on a Sunday. This is a great time to be fed into as each other and it's a great place to invite people but the world needs us to connect with them where they are. Um, And in terms of where the church fits into all of this, I think we have a key role to play we have such an important role. How is the world going to figure out what Christ-like love is if we don't show them? Yeah. Where are they going to find it? 
So we have such an important role to grasp that ourselves, to understand it, and then to show others, to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just come in and sit on a Sunday and then leave. Like Nath said, you know, making a meal, dropping off some chocolate, giving flowers to your neighbour, going to sit down for a coffee, giving them a call, sending them a message instead of just liking their Instagram or Facebook post, actually engaging and loving people. In terms of where the church will be, I don't know. (laughs) I think it will be so interesting to see where the church goes in the next 10, 20, 30 years. But my prayer for church is that it's messy. My prayer is that instead of having this perfect image of, you know, what the world sees church as, which is currently perfect little Christians that come and sit in on church on a Sunday and they sing some songs and then they go back to their normal lives. I want it to be a cross-section of a diversity across the community, people that are different to us, people that see life differently, that understand life differently, that, you know, might not have their lives together, that need Jesus like we all do. I hope that the church is messy, whatever it looks like. I hope that it's messy. Yeah. Wow. So good. Well, you know, your perspective is really important because the world's actually going to be shaped by people like yourselves over the next 20 to 30 years. And so just quickly, how optimistic are you about the future? You're looking at me? Right. <laughs> She's looking She's at me. Looking at you. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm very optimistic. That didn't sound convincing. Let me try it again. <laughs> I am very optimistic. I think... Our generation and the generations that are coming are ones that are extremely passionate. We have generations of passion like never before, I think. We're the generations of protesting, of, you know, (laughs) of trying to love wildly and trying to live in the moment. We have extreme passion in our generations. I think if that passion can be put in the right direction, it will be incredible. So I'm extremely optimistic, but I do think it will come down to how we as a church react and how we as a church integrate ourselves into the world and engage with the world. I really think that's sort of what it'll come down to, how we determine. Um, Yeah. Do you guys agree? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm also very optimistic about the future. Um, I don't know if any of you caught last week, but even some of the wisdom in what Katie was saying is seeing the next generation really, if you weren't optimistic, then go back and watch next Sunday and you'll be optimistic. Um, I, I think as to echo what Jemima said, there is a lot of passion and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people wanting to do stuff. So I think that, yeah, if we can focus that, um, into the things of God, then, you know, we're going to go leaps and bounds ahead. But at the same time, in a multi-generational church for what, you know, how we feel about the future, I feel that the generations above us um, also have a part to play. I think there's wisdom in that and that we need to glean on and not just go, what's the hot new church topic that we need to be passionate about? Let's glean from the wisdom that's gone before. Like, so I don't know why we don't do that as a society, but I want to call back to that. Um, and yeah, because I think that the Spirit's been prompting us for the future to come back to the original mission of God of loving him and loving others. Like it's such a simplistic thing, but there's also such a depth to it as well that I think we'll be uncovering until he returns. (laughs) Yeah, I I absolutely agree with both of them. Um, I would say I take a very ecclesiastical view of the future in that I go, well, you know, 
Nothing is new under the sun. Everything that has happened will happen again, and everything that will happen has happened at some point. And yeah. sure, it might present differently, but that is the reality of it. And it's like, it doesn't really matter what happens in the next 20 to 30 years yeah. in terms of good, bad, whatever. But I know that if I look at history, that I see Christ move powerfully. Yeah, it's good. And once again, nothing is new under the sun. And it actually, I look at that and I go, I can't wait to see God move in my lifetime because I know it's going to happen. Yeah. So I can't wait to see Christ touch people's lives because I've seen it happen in the past and it will happen again. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see revival in my lifetime. That's, yeah, that's, awesome. that's my dream. So good. That's great. All right, last question. I want you to share with us in a few words some wisdom and, and what you want to leave us with today. Um, is there a passage of scripture that you've been thinking of? Is there a challenge you want to leave with each of us today? I want you to share that. So sure. Nate's going to go first. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, I did get a couple of passages of scripture, but one thing that stood out to me, a little statement I got while I was pondering on this was, we shouldn't forget our past, but then we also shouldn't let it define us going forward. And I just felt that as a real generational kind of statement um, that's been, I, I think it's been a chain on them for a long time. So, you know, just take that into, into the week and ponder that. But I also got two passages that uh, spoke to me. So Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And then from that, Proverbs 16, 1 to 4, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. And I just think that like, we really need to commit back to the Lord everything. And no matter what the situation, like we, like we kind of saw in the scripture there, all these bad things happening, we, we can commit it to him and know it will be okay in the end. <laughs> I think we need to not be no longer weighed down by these negative situations of the world. Yeah. All right. Looks like I'm up. Yeah. How good are finger, fingerprints, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Right now, I'd say my heart is really on fire for knowledge and for foundation in God. Yeah. Uh, Artos, come along this afternoon. <laughs> um, plug, 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 plug. I'd actually like to read out of Philippians. I've been doing a lot of study in Philippians. Uh, I'm reading verses uh, 1 to 12 of chapter 2, if you're following along. Um, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same joy, love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, I love it. It is a fantastic passage that speaks of living for others. It speaks of humility. It sums up the gospel in, in this translation a little bit over 100 words. Uh, it, and it not only sums it up, but it finishes by calling us to follow it. It, uh, it calls us to obedience to God to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Uh, you know, we should be in fear of offending God, of failing to be obedient to God. And the reason I said at the beginning that my heart's on fire for knowledge is how can you be obedient to something you don't know? If you're seeking to be obedient to God, then you should be seeking the knowledge of what that is. And I think that that is a foundational part of our faith. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said of this passage, um, you ought to seek the spread of truth, but you must first know the truth yourself, and you must daily seek to understand it better. You're bound to attempt the reclaiming of the wandering, but you must take heed lest you yourself wander. For however unselfish you may become, and God grant that you may have much unselfishness, yet still it is a law of nature and equally a law of grace that you should see to self-preservation. Indeed, if you neglect this, you will become utterly unable to do aught for the salvation of other people. It's a bit of a challenge, but I think that right now that is my heart, that I want to see people grow in knowledge and faith so that you can live the life God has called you to do so that your life impacts others. Great. Thanks, Pete. I love, just as a side note, I love how differently our brains all work. Even though, you know, we're up here because we're all a part of the same generation, our brains are so different and I think that's the same across all generations. So it's going to be so cool to see when we all actually use our brains and our lives the way God has called us and created us to what we could achieve together. Just as a side note, because Pip, that's amazing. My brain just like is not wired the same way. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. So good. Um, Back to the point, sorry, everybody. Um, (laughs) So the verse I wanted to leave us with, it could be seen as very cliche, so don't judge me, but Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I think it is a cliche verse when we talk about the future, but it's so powerful. God has promised to give us hope and a future. If we can hold on to that, Like, that's exactly what we've been talking about. The hope that we can have for an amazing future, that's where our optimism can come from. And if you look at the context of that verse, it's not God promising to rescue us from our current situations of desperation or whatever it may be. You know, we only have to turn on the news or jump on social media to see that the world is desperate. But it's not God promising to pull us out and rescue us from that. He's promising to give us a hope for the future. So I think that's, yeah, what the verse that really came to mind. But I would encourage all of us to continue praying for the generations to come. You know, we thank Jesus for the generations that have come ahead of us. Like Nathan has talked about, it's been an incredible legacy that's gone before us. But we need to keep praying for our generations and the generations that are going to come, that God would anoint the right leaders, the political leaders, economic leaders, church leaders, workplace leaders, teachers, nurses, all of those things. We need to pray that God will anoint them and raise them up now because we'll be the ones leading the future. 
So I think that's really what we need to continue to pray for. So, yeah. Well, guys, we just want to say thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us today. Come on, why don't we thank these guys? The band can come up, but, um, you know, what I was so reminded of as we've shared in this time this morning is the scripture from 1 Timothy 4.12, and it says, Do not let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. If there's something about the church into the future, it is that there is a whole generation coming up that are actually going to revolutionise our world. You know, in whatever sphere and realm that they may be positioned in, that they're going to be an example to both believers and non-believers. You know, they've got passion, they've got courage, they've got tenacity to continue running. But at the end of the day, it's God who builds his house. And if you've caught anything today, I hope it's this, that these guys have a heart to see God do what only he can do. They have a heart to see God be outworked into the world, not just in the four walls of a building, but out in love and in action and in word and in deed. And I think we are in for an exciting future that doesn't neglect what has happened in the past, but it is exciting because there are people that are going to pick up and run with the baton when we can no longer run anymore. You know, we can be the ones that encourage, we can be the ones that can cheer them on, we can be the ones that come alongside them and and just love on them and, and enable them to have a place to run. So thanks for sharing with us today, guys. It's been such a blessing. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.